in my home office there are literally pictures of students on the wall next to me at my desk at work when you know in times when I was in person I always keep pictures of students so that as I'm making decisions and you know designing a theory test or I'm deciding on a speaker to bring in I'm literally keeping students front and center <laughs> Welcome to Arts Engines. I am your host, Aaron Dworkin. And with us as today's guests, we have Natalie Butler, who serves as Dean of Learning and Teaching at People's Music School. Welcome, Natalie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk with you. So uh, it's great to have you on the show. And you know, I like to start off right off the bat, if people can kind of read all of your bio and all of that uh, online, but can you just tell us a little bit more for any of our viewers, first and foremost, People's Music School, what do you do there? And within that, what does a Dean of Leaning and Teaching do? Absolutely. So uh, People's Music School was founded in 1976 by an amazing woman named Dr. Rita Simo with the idea that every person deserved the right to have a rich and wonderful music education and particularly focusing on children. So over these past 44 years, we have served thousands and thousands of children. Um, currently, uh, this school year, we're gonna serve 850 children in the city of Chicago, um, as well as a partnership we have um, created with Ravenswood City School District in East Palo Alto, California. So this is our first national venture where we'll be serving an additional 600 students with a completely tuition-free music education that is not only um, you know sort of exposure and access but it's really deep rich um, uh, opportunities to engage in music education uh, for children from kindergarten through 12th grade Awesome. And so for, you know, a lot of times, you know, we hear in our field, there's always arguments about resources uh, going to either the arts or to, you know, music education, arts education. What do you say to people who are like, well, why should we have resources? Why, you know, why is music education so important? We have sports programs. We have all of these other things for, for kids. Uh, why do we really need to expend these resources in the arts? I mean, I think at a really fundamental level, humans create music, you know, we've done this since the beginning of time. So there's something that is just like a seed that's deeply planted in us at the genetic level, I really believe that wants to make music, that wants to hear music, that has it as a part of our lives. So I feel that it's it's critical. I think sports are important. I think academics are important, but I do think that arts are important. And as someone who's a music educator in my background, uh, music, uh, maker. Um, I, I really feel like it is just as fundamental as the other pieces. And um, it's also another access point. You know, everyone doesn't necessarily excel in algebra. They don't necessarily excel in basketball, but they should have a space. They should have an opportunity to engage in a space where they learn if they can excel in music. And if it contribute something, you know, enhances their life if it, if it brings something to their community. And so I feel that that's really an important part of the work that we do, that yes, we, we are very rigorous and we have juries and theory exams and composition projects and all of that, but a fundamental part of the way that we're using music is for its transformational powers, not only for the student, but for the entire 
community of people who surround them. So whether it's their parents, their aunts, their uncles, their schools, their larger communities, the city, and now nationally, that transformational power that comes from really engaging in deep music learning. That's, that's what we're looking at for peoples. Awesome, awesome. So before I wanted to ask you a little about the national aspect, sure. um, but, uh, but before that also, um, you know, this uh, idea of equity. So obviously equity, inclusion, racial issues are, you know, dominating our, our society these days. Um, could you kind of just share with, with our audience, uh, you know, kind of what are your thoughts and people's thoughts about any um, aspects of that inequity to access to music instruction and education that young people get. That's a fundamental piece of the way that we do work is removing those economic barriers. So, you know, when Dr. Simo created the school, her impetus for creating it was the shock. You know, she was from the Dominican Republic. Um, and this is very close to her heart. She recently passed away in the past two weeks. So, it, you know, we are constantly talking about her drive when she created the school and the idea that as someone who came from the Dominican Republic from a family that didn't have a lot of means, but the government provided the ability for her to study music. She was incredibly talented and hardworking, came and studied at Juilliard, you know, excelled. She was shocked to come here and find that this great nation didn't provide the same opportunities for all of its citizens. And so she strongly, and was a, a force to be reckoned with, but she really strongly believed that everyone deserves the opportunity. And so that's the reason that throughout our history that we don't charge tuition. So that means that we are providing not only the lessons, the instruments, the books, the field trips, um, summer opportunities. I mean, we have you know some really amazing musicians in our high school program who actually are you know getting into some of the top musical institutions and going to these really incredible summer camps and we are paying for the full um uh the full you know opportunity to engage in those things and we commit to that child and their family that as long as they meet the expectations that we are going to do that from kindergarten until they graduate from high school so we are doing everything that we can to remove every barrier to access so that the family doesn't need to worry about that they can just introduce their child to our programs and really get invested. Um, and that's that's just a critical piece of the way that we do the work. And then personally, um, you know, my entire work history has been working with underserved communities. I was, you know, for many, many years, a Chicago Public School general music and band teacher and seeing and working in different communities where, you know, I worked at one school where there's a computer for every child. I wanted to order any instrument, no problem. And went the next year to a school where I was buying my own laptop. I was buying the software to run my classroom. We literally had no music stands and their music was on the floor, right? So in the same city, you know, not even a 15 minute drive apart, there are entirely different worlds. And so really being involved in an organization like People's Music School, where it, 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 the drive is to just remove all the barriers so that we can really just transform these students' lives and their community, I think it's critical. Um, it's more important now than ever that all of these, um, you know, the social unrest and everything that's going on, those, these conversations, I think it's more critical than ever. Truly, truly important. Is there, um, and again, I want to get to some of these kind of broader organizational things, but as you think about that work, that impact that you're creating, and for many students who otherwise would never have the access, um, is there any story that stands out um, of someone who yeah. used to see their life, just how it was transformed? So, so, so many students. Um, 
you know, one of the things about being in an organization that has been around for a while is that you can see entire families' lives change. So I think of a particular student who her family has been engaged with the school for 20 plus years. So that she literally just graduated from high school and she and her twin sister were in utero, uh, you know, while her older siblings were at the school, right? So thinking about the kinds of transformation I've seen within that particular student overcoming incredible challenges in her life, excelling, becoming this amazing musician, engaging in these really rich summer opportunities that we've been able to connect her with. Um, that's a story that, that pops to mind. And there are so, so many stories of, you know, not just the students, but again, you know, this, this idea of community building is that, you know, the way that we're doing the program, it, it's really not a light touch program. Um, you know, when the world was normal, right? So pre-pandemic, pre with our in-person programming, students were coming anywhere from three to 12 hours weekly. So our programming is very, very intensive. And that's on the student side, but there is an investment that we've always required on our family side, which is around service hours. So, you know, the idea that we're going to give you this incredible opportunity to have your child engage in this with no out-of-pocket cost, but we want an investment in the school. And so what that has looked like for the history of our school is we don't have a janitor, they clean our buildings, they're mopping floors, they're security, they're donating, they're, you know, it's a true community effort. And then that investment that comes on the family side, right, that is actually a program requirement, like certain number of hours per child per semester, if you meet it, great. And if you don't, then you can't continue in the program. And we're very serious about that. That really, you know, if you're cleaning a toilet in our school, and you have one to clean at home and you might work in a service job where you're doing it at work, you're gonna say, get that violin out, get that trumpet out, work on your choir piece. You know, there's a level of investment that I see really different, um, that's very different than even my experience working in public schools. The parents, the entire family is so tremendously invested. And so that's a part of that idea of, you know, we sort of think of the, the child as this nucleus and then there's all of this community surrounding them that we really need to enhance that as well too, so that they're able to help their child engage in this really rigorous experience that we're trying to provide for them. This is, a, so it's really just a, an extraordinary, you know, kind of mechanism and model that, that, that you're utilizing that is clearly so effective. So this sense of kind of, you know, building community through the arts, right? That this is kind of at the heart and, and soul of what you're doing. Could you kind of just talk a little bit more about that? I'm thinking of, you know, some of our viewers, our audience, may represent or be leading organizations that may not have specifically thought they're like, hey, we're doing this, we're teaching this instrument, or we're providing this for an audience, but haven't necessarily characterized their work as building community through the arts. Could you kind of just share how does that kind of fit for, for you and how does that emanate? Sure. So it really infuses everything that we do. So even when we think about you know, what neighborhoods are we moving to? So I've been with the organization, this is the start of my eighth year. And in 2013, it was a longstanding organization, sort of like a hidden gem. And there was, you know, our building that was in the north side of the city. And we had a partnership with one public school, really, that was very strong. But then, 
in responding to demand. So we've always had waiting lists for our programs. Um, uh, you know, initially for the first 20 plus years of history of our school, there was literally a, a waiting line. So we'd say registration opens and families would camp out for up to seven days outside of our building because really nothing like this exists tuition-free, unauditioned, the sort of level of rigor. Um, and we've since moved to a lottery model, but regardless, we've always had these waiting lists and we had families who were on the other side of the city saying, we want this. We, we, we can't take a two hour bus ride to the north side of the city. So responding to that and then going to the communities and saying, OK, we're not just going to come and pose ourselves here. Do you really want us here? Is there an organization, uh, a church, a school, um, another community group that we can partner with that can really, you know, they've already built deep roots in the community and we want to build on that. We don't want to assume that we've got something great and we're just going to kind of jump in. So really thinking about that and so that when we do, you know, when we did start two new partnerships on, you know, two different corners of the city, they were able to hit the ground running because the community was already really strong there. There was tremendous support. There were you know, local organizations, business leaders, universities who are willing to partner with us to sort of help us sustain the programs. Because I think one of the things that's often challenging in nonprofit situations is people have great ideas and you start out, but you don't have the infrastructure to sustain. And for me, there's nothing more heartbreaking than having a child who loves a program and then all of a sudden you run out of funding or you run out of support. And we never want that to happen. We, we know we, we want this amazing legacy that Rita created to continue. And we want to be able to keep our promise to serve a child from kindergarten through 12th grade for every new generation of students we intake. So with that in mind, um, that community piece is just really critical. Um, and so we spend a lot of time trying to lay the groundwork before we even start talking details about building a program. Um, similar to what we did in, in, in East Palo Alto, California, and moving with that partnership, there was a lot of groundwork laid um, before we realize, okay, this is something that they're asking for and that we can help provide and, and expose and expand this access. Right. So to kind of delve into that a little bit, right, that seems like a significant expansion, right? A lot of <laughs> organizations that are, you know, committed and historically part of one specific community, you know, really focused on that to all of a sudden have quite a yeah. tremendous national. Can you kind of speak to that, especially to some, you know, other organizations maybe thinking, should, should we do that or how do we do that? How did, how did that come about and, and how, are, how do you know you can bring the same level of quality of instruction mm -hmm. and excellence that you've been doing literally across the country? Absolutely. So I would say like maybe taking even a step back from that over the last seven years, you know, before even this great expansion opportunity, we've really been working to strengthen our infrastructure to codify, you know, what it is that we're doing. What is our secret sauce that makes it possible to get a student in and in a very short period of time really have some tremendous musical results. So we, you know, from collecting data to making sure that we have sort of a unified system across our, even our Chicago sites, um, implementing professional development, very intensive professional development for our teachers, which is often unique at an arts organization like ours. Um, 
just really making sure that the foundation is extremely solid. So I think that's the first piece. Um, this particular partnership um, came about, uh, our president and artistic director, Jennifer Kim Matsuzawa, actually travels, commutes back and forth from East Palo Alto to Chicago. And it came from her um, volunteering in the community. Um, someone who worked at the school was someone she knew, and they just said, our school does not have music teacher. We have an old music room with some things like you know, could you come in? I know you're really busy. Could you come in and work with students? And she was like, oh, I'm really busy, but yes. You know, she committed to doing it. And in an incredibly short amount of time, you know, she was implementing the same sorts of ways that we engage our students and families and was able to build a chorus out of just students who decided, well, I'm not going to go to recess. I, I want to sing. I don't want to go to recess, which, you know, again, says a lot about different kinds of access points to opportunities for students. These students were right for this and in, you know, five or six rehearsals put on an incredible concert. And from that, the principal, the superintendent, they said, okay, this is something that's really special that's happened here. And I know that you do this special thing in Chicago, but we want it here. So it really um, led to almost a year of conversations, exploring possibilities, you know, having our team come visit there and see, is this, does this really work? Is this our student population? Those students are absolutely the students we serve. They're incredible. The school community there is wonderful. Um, and so, you know, then coming back to our side, because uh, again, we want to build on a solid foundation, but every floor that we build, we want that to be solid too. So really, you know, carefully vetting this opportunity, making sure that our board did a, an extremely careful review to see, is this something that we can do? Can we financially sustain it? Looking for those additional funding sources. So it was quite um, sort of an exploratory process before we got to the point where we felt, okay, this is an opportunity that not only is it the right thing to do, but we're, it's the right time for us. We're, we're stable enough to be able to sort of build this next level. And I, I, I realized I didn't answer one of your initial questions around what do I do in my role of data learning and teaching. My primary focus this year is around um, all of those um, sort of structures and fundamentals. Our, our term we use is like evergreen. So everything that we need to continue to have things be solid, um, to continue to codify what we're doing, to do more research, to do um, have more understanding. So, you know, creating our curriculum uh, book. Uh, so this was our second edition of our curriculum book. So every instrument, every type of class we teach, we have a 10 level sequential curriculum that has assessments, that has, you know, performance outcomes, that we train our teachers, those measures and all the tools that are needed to do that. That's a lot of what my job is. So really codifying those things for students as well as assessment for teachers and then providing all of the professional development that's going to be needed to you know, facilitate that. And I'm a clarinetist and I also teach band. So at you know, our community sites, I, I conduct some of our bands too. So I have a, a teacher hat as well as an administrator at, at Peoples. Which of course, and is worn so often in our in our field. It is extraordinary work that that you are doing. We're we're just about out of time, but I just wanted to ask me. This is extraordinarily hard work that that you're doing, that bringing about this incredible impact uh, at, at people's. And I'm just wondering, and especially now with all of the other things going on in our in our society, which makes this type of work even more challenging. Absolutely. Where do you find your inspiration, right? When the day is just so tough and, right, it seems like things are, you know, potential, the challenges are potentially insurmountable. Where do you derive your core inspiration from? Absolutely. Students. 
Um, you know, so in this virtual environment, you know, this year we are, we've determined that the safest thing to do for our students is to do everything online. And so we're delivering all of our programming online. But in my home office, there are literally pictures of students on the wall next to me at my desk at work when, you know, in times when I was in person, I always keep pictures of students so that as I'm making decisions, um, you know, designing a theory test or I'm deciding on a speaker to bring in, I'm literally keeping students front and center. Um, and then for me, I am truly a teacher at heart. I love, love, love teaching. And so um, in addition to the many administrative duties, I have to teach. That is my, my fuel. Um, you know, I had two musicianship classes last night online um, and was just, it's the second week of programming for us. So just seeing their faces, getting to check in with them. You know, we haven't seen them in person since the spring because of everything that's been happening. So for me, it doesn't matter how tired I am. Once I'm in front of a student, I'm fully energized. I don't, I don't feel tired, I don't have a headache, I'm not sick, whatever it is, they really fuel me. And one of the things that I just truly love about working at Peoples and is an incredible piece of our community is that every teacher that we have working with our students really is the same way. You just see them light up, you see the way the kids' eyes sparkle when they're calling out for their teacher, when they're coming into rehearsals. And now, of course, everything is remote. But just seeing, you know, hundreds of students engage in our, you know, we've, we've got a Tuesday, sorry, Thursday evening community music night. So it's all of our students gathering together and teachers are performing, students are performing. Um, last week was, you know, our first week of programming and we had to break the news to students that Rita had passed away. So watching them listening to a piece of music and drawing pictures to, you know, thank her or writing a, a letter to thank her for her contribution. I mean, that is an incredible and a special, really special and at the heart of the work that we're doing at People. So for me, that's that's the fuel to my fire. That's what, what keeps me going. Natalie Butler, you truly are one of the great arts engines that is powering creativity in our field. Thank you so much for joining us on Arts Engines. Thank you. Thank you so much for giving us this opportunity to share the work of People's Music School. Thank you.